After filming ends, actors may be summoned to view their scenes and then revoice their work where the sound is deemed inadequate. It used to be called post-syncing or dubbing. No one likes doing it. Well, imagine. Your face, looking silly. One day, O'Toole came home bruised after a day of this, and as he lowered himself into his favourite armchair, remarked, I've realised something. Hell isn't other people. It isn't paddling in boiling oil. It isn't even being dined on by rats. It would be having to post-sync your entire life. Imagine that. As I read my autobiographies for the first time in twenty years, I realised not for the first time that he had a point. Reading what you write of your life is a bruising process and some of it defies belief. Most of the time you find yourself questioning. You'll see I'm sneakily including you, the listener, here. As you share my story, you will, I swear, be saying, why did she do that? Why did she not explain? Why did they do that? How could she have said such a thing? You ignore the good bits. Yes, yes, very nice, very nice. Turn page, turn page. Aha, here we are. Another piece of folly and madness. There were moments when I hardly recognised this girl. There were moments when I foolishly wondered if she would live to tell the tale. A great deal of the story exasperated me beyond belief as I watched her make the same mistake again and again. But quite often... I admired her optimism, largely unfounded, her cheeriness, also unfounded. I really admired her ability to gain solace in the natural world, and in the end, I liked the small shoots of what might become a capacity for friendship. There were more questions when I looked at my notebook and diary accounts of the next twenty years. Why call her her? She's you. Have you learned anything during the years after public places that has endured? Do you wish you could go back? Obviously, I learned something important because I stopped making some of my more lurid mistakes and that made for, hello, happiness, there's a word. And no, I would have to be dragged back. Life changed. I acquired friends. I learned to cook. I acquired exceptionally good acquaintances. I became a really good gardener. I spent a great deal of my time looking after and entertaining my Burmese cats, and along the way, I rather lost interest in myself, except to feel a new sense of entitlement, a sense that I was in my place. All this happened somewhat unnoticed, but one unexpected thing occurred and it couldn't be ignored. I began to get younger. At the same time, I hasten to add, I aged in appearance in a perfectly normal manner, but there was no doubt about it. I was not getting older. I've read of people experiencing a huge surge of energy, and it wasn't like that. Rather, I looked about me. I became curious. This manifested itself in the kind of work I did, and also in how I lived, or rather, where I lived. I embarked on a kind of 
tour of London that continues to this day. I have always had a mild urge to move house, but was never able to indulge it to the full. Guyon House was home for twenty years. But then I set about moving. I made a garden everywhere and moved only because I wanted to experience a new neighborhood and a different way of living. I love packing and buying and selling and building and digging and planting. The only person I've met who shares this particular and peculiar hobby is Leslie Manville. We were sharing a dressing room at a gala at the festival hall and wondering aloud how it was that we had never met before. And I happened to mention an address in Spitalfields. Oh, she said, I nearly bought that. So did I, I explained. But then I move a lot. So do I, she said. And then, in the middle of the excitement of finding a kindred spirit, we had to go and do what we were being paid to do and never did finish the conversation. But I have never met anyone else who enjoyed the inconvenience so. I went on to live briefly in W1 and then Mayfair and Islington for the first time and Barnsbury and Kensington and Islington again at the Angel, then Spitalfields, and now the lockdown has found me and my unpacked boxes in the city itself, somewhere I had always wanted to live. None of this interfered with work. Due to my job, I travel enough not to need or want holidays, so I don't see a space in the diary until the first lockdown when everything almost stopped. Until I realised my voice could now step up and do its bit. So I built a tiny studio in my small study, and my PA, Jane, extended her formidable battery of skills to include that of engineering. I just crossed my fingers and hoped for the best.